Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 586 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. And since the NHL had their yearly award show last night, we thought it would be fun to put a sense spin on it. We're going to hand out some awards, including a debate for the MVP. And Ross, we're into the top five of our prospect profiles. It's crazy we're all the way here. And one of those players is the consensus favorite for a lot of mock drafts for the Sens to select at seventh overall. We'll get into all that. Plus, some prospects in the organization already are on the roster for the World Juniors. At least the preliminary roster will tell you who that is and which guys have the best chance of making the international stage in August. This is the Locked On Senator Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Wednesday, June 22nd. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the Locked On Senators YouTube channel, like the videos by clicking the thumbs up, and leaving a comment. Today's comment, we're going to get a spicy one here. Some think it's unanimous. Others clearly reject that sentiment. Who was the Senators MVP of 2021-2022? Before we get to that, though, Pilsy, the NHL awards were last night. Any surprises, in your opinion? I'll be honest, Ross, this was a year that I didn't really pay attention to the awards. There wasn't a lot of sends in contention, so I was kind of down on the awards this year. I don't think there was any any major shocks. Like, we knew Shesterkin was going to win the Vesna. I I think the debate for the Norris was good, but Kale McCarr, like, he's he's incredible. You, You can't be upset with him winning that award. But it was one of the rare years where the guy who gets the most first place votes doesn't win. Yeah, and that's very interesting. But, I mean, that's why they do the point system, and that's why they have that uh, system in place. But, yeah, you got to be realize. pretty upset if you win most first place and you don't get first place. That's got to feel weird. Initially, I thought that, too. But in 2015, apparently Carlson didn't have the most first place votes. He was one of the same situations. Okay. So, I mean, it's earned by Kale McCarr. That guy is an absolute weapon out there. I thought it was kind of strange they were doing it in the middle of the Stanley Cup final and players from the teams who are still competing. Yeah, it's an off night, but they got a game to prepare for. They just came out. They've been battling for two and a half months. And they're like, no, no, put on your suit and tie. We're doing the award show. Yeah. Let's go. And that you mentioned weird. no senators. Well, Pilsy, one sen got a little bit of love. One writer had Thomas Shabbat on their third all-star team. So as a top six defenseman in the National Hockey League. Interesting. I'll I'll take it. I love it. Yeah. Well, in our version of the Sens Awards, I mean, you can just windmill slam dunk it in. Thomas Shabbat, best defenseman this year for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, very easily. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad he missed those games because, you know, he was really starting to feel it offensively at that time. I feel like one of his 
last games before getting injured. He put up that three-point night against Minnesota, didn't he? And right before the injury, too, he had that great goal against Tampa Bay. There was a stretch there. And the injury, I mean, it took him out for just about a month. And right before that injury, yeah, it was two goals and an assist against Minnesota at the end of February. Ooh. But if you go back, there was a stretch there from uh, from January 29th up until the injury where he had 14 points in 18 games. So the offense was clearly clicking for Shabbat. I would say it was a little more hit and miss this year in terms of streakiness. Like he started out the year super slow. I mean, the whole team did right yeah. through November. But if you go all the way until the start of the the turnaround, right? That game at Carolina, he only had eight assists and no goals in the first 21 games. But then as it came around uh, December into January, let's just go from December 2nd up until the injury that occurred in the game against Columbus on March 16th. 26 points in 34 games, uh, more or less even players, a dash two, and a lot of his production comes at even strength. 18 of his 26 points. Some fans will point to that as a negative because they, they're already on, put Brandy on the first power play. You know, I mean, we saw that at the end of the year, but what makes Thomas Shabbat so special in your opinion? I mean, uh, you've gone through this whole spiel of Thomas Shabbat and we haven't even talked about the amount of minutes he plays. I think that's what makes him most special, right? Like a defenseman that can skate like him and DJ Smith just, what a coach's delight having a defenseman that you can put out there for 25 plus minutes and not be worried night in and night out. He can play all situations and sure you'd like a little bit more on the power play, but also when he was uh, healthy, a, a good chunk of that time Norris was injured and that's where Thomas Shabbat gets a lot of his cookies is just sliding it over to Norris for that one timer. So I, I really think the fact that he's able to compete up against other teams, top lines at night in, night out, and play massive minutes, and usually with a defense partner that doesn't help him, let alone even just keep him even, It usually his defense partner brings him down, and he has to deal with that. So the fact that Tom Shabbat is able to do what he's been able to do is just incredible and uh, easily, <laughs> easily the best defenseman, the Norris Trophy winner for the Sens. But do you not think it's an even bigger slam dunk when we say who's the best goalie this year for the Ottawa Senators before we truly get to that though I, I do want to look up here who which which defenseman do you think Thomas Shabbat played the most with this year uh I'm gonna say Zaitsev no it was actually Artem Zub oh really Artem Zub. Wow. yeah 439 minutes with Artem Zub Nikita Zaitsev was next but there's actually substantial decline between the amount he played with Zub, and then only 260 minutes this year, which I would say is still 270 minutes more than I would like to see with Nikita Zaitsev, but certainly a little bit of a shift there with Artem Zub paired more so with Thomas Shabbat throughout this season. The two of them played pretty solid together, a 50% shot share, whereas with Zaitsev, he's down at 44%. So clearly he's a better player when he's playing with Artem Zub a lot of defensemen are and that's why we're Mm -hmm. banging the table put Zub with Sanderson to start next season but that comes with the caveat that you don't have number two 22 lining up with Thomas Shabbat but lining up at all (laughs) yes (laughs) against them twice a year when they go to Arizona yes yes (laughs) exactly so Anton Forsberg easily slam dunk and that will lead us in here to the conversation of MVP but before we get to who we're going to call the Daniel Alfredson Award, the Hart Trophy for the Ottawa Senators. My question 
is who do you think the players around the league would say was Ottawa's MVP this year? The Ted Lindsay version of the MVP. Try to put yourself in the shoes of an opponent, maybe guys who played Ottawa three or four times. Like, who do you think they look at the Sens and say, yeah, that's their best player? I mean, it's got to be Brady Kachuk, right? Like, I, I think he led the team in points. He does everything from big hits, playing on the power play, getting involved physically uh, in front of the net. He, he's their captain. I, I think if we're doing Ted Lindsay style, Brady Kachuk definitely gets it. All right. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, who is your MVP for this Ottawa Senator season? My MVP, hashtag goalie friendly show, is Anton Forsberg. I mean, the way he was able to have a winning record on this team, 22-17-4, and four, it's actually is, insane. is pretty damn incredible. Um, the fact that, uh, what was it, Ross? Six wins when he has 40-plus saves. I believe he was six and one when stopping. Oh, yeah, 40 so six, six wins. Exactly. So this guy just eat pucks and he loves getting lots of shots, which makes him a great fit for the Ottawa Senators. Absolutely. Get this. So in games where he makes 45 or more saves this year, he's two one and one. And the one loss and the one shootout loss were both against the Florida Panthers, the president's trophy winning team in the National Hockey League. That's the thing. Like when the when the work is cut out for him, he doesn't have any issues dealing with it. He had to be he had to be the guy that he was really supposed to be a third option on this franchise. Like he was supposed to be Gustafson Insurance. Instead, Gus doesn't quite have it at the NHL level, so he's got to he's got to play for him. And Matt Murray is questionable at the best of times whether he's healthy or not so Forsberg's got to take over both those jobs and he ends up being the number one starter not even 1A 1B the number one guy and gets a three-year deal as a reward of that and I just felt Ross and I feel like this goes for everyone Sens fans the players DJ Smith when Anton Forsberg was named the starter you felt like you had a chance to win. Even if you're going up against the President's Trophy winners, you just had a feeling of confidence that you you can give up a couple bad chances and he's going to bail you out and you can make sure that you bail him out by all you got to do is score probably three goals and Forsberg can give you a great chance to win. So Anton Forsberg is my Daniel Alfredson winner of this season. That's a very fair argument. I, I'm having a tough time coming up with a rebuttal, but... I have to, because it's Brady Kachuk's team. He is the MVP of this. Before I move on, though, it was 6-2, sorry, 6-1-1 one, one when making more than 40 saves in a game this season. Those games came against Carolina, Montreal, the game that we were at with all the Sen Central yes. citizens, oh. the home opener that we were at against the yep. Toronto Maple Leafs. So Anton Forsberg knew that a goalie-friendly show was in the house <laughs> when he came, and obviously the other win was the game in Carolina that got them off the schneid after one of the worst months in NHL history, both on and off the ice with COVID running through the team and all the extracurriculars that came around with the pause. And anyways, thank God that part of the season was over. But who battled through that part of the season with this team was the captain, Brady Kachuk, led them out of it. And as you mentioned, guys around the league probably look at Brady Kachuk as the MVP of this team. And there's good reason for that. I mean, he hit 30 goals for the first time this year. Great milestone to hit in the final game. You saw how fired up he was. He had nine more points than anybody else on this team. And I think a lot of what gets overlooked with Brady Kachuk is how he fought through a bum hand for most of the season. Like that fight where he, he hurt it was in like December. 
Yeah. And he, he didn't miss any games because of it. This guy plays 79 games this year. The only reason he missed any games was because of the contract dispute that held him out so that he could get his feet under him and hit the ground running once he got in. This guy, didn't he get a hat-trick in his first game as captain? Am I remembering that properly against Tampa Bay? May, I think it was like first home game. Or first home game. game. Yes. yes. It must have yeah. been because it was right around that time he got named captain. Uh, just was, quickly though, Ross, who got the shutout in that game? <laughs> Todd Forsberg. <laughs> nice. Touche. No, but with that, I mean... <laughs> You, you got to get some goal support for him. But uh, <laughs> I, I just look at, you know, it's almost like the Roman Yossi argument where he's so head and shoulders above the next guy on the team in points that you're like, all right, so everything on offense runs through him. I think the fact that 50 of his points came at even strength is impressive because a lot of people, the haters, the guys who said he was a 40-point third-line guy who could just hit and run around, that's five-on-five five scoring. He's not getting cheap cookies standing in front of the net on the power play, although you'd think he'd get a few more. If Norris's shot wasn't as accurate, he'd probably get more tips in front because Norris yeah. just puts it upstairs right, rebounds. In, right yeah. up in the pocket. <laughs> hey? um, yeah. But, uh, no, you, you just absolutely love to, to see Brady evolve into the player that the team had to think he was, taking him at fourth overall. I know it, some considered a reach. Others thought he was right in the mix there as a top-five pick. But you're looking at a 22-year-old 30-goal scorer. I, I'm forgetting the exact position, but I remember tweeting it out. Obviously, Leaf fans had some fun with it, getting on my nerves because uh, part of what I said showed Brady ahead of John Tavares. I believe that he was top five in goals among captains this year. And sure, that's a bit of a cherry-pick stat, but the leaders lead, and yeah. the best way to lead is to put the puck in the back of the net. So um, I'm going to try to find that stat, but... When you watch Brady Kachuk, what's it about the maturity of his game that's really impressed you the most? I think it's just the fact that, like, even veterans on the team, like, they lean on him and his leadership. Like, guys that guys that could almost be his dad, like, like Nick Holden, like, guys that are 10-plus years older than him, they still respect him. And they look to him in dire moments, and so does the coach. And, at, like... You can feel the, like he has an aura about him. Like he's not just a dude. He's the dude. Like it's just crazy. Like I'll never forget. Like this moment is ingrained in my brain and I will never forget the feeling of this moment at the home opener when he was introduced to the crowd and everyone was chanting Brady, Brady. Oh, like yeah. that was like that feeling and him just like soaking it up and eating it up and, and, uh, egging everyone on, like keep it going, keep it going, and then doing doing his Frank the Tank celebration too. Like the guy just gets it, like that. Yeah, and there he is. If you're watching on YouTube with the the helmet and sunglasses, like for him to be doing this already at only 22 years old, and he just inked a big long contract. It's fine. It finally feels good to be a Sens fan and you have some security here. And if you're going to have security and feel good about any player on this team, in this franchise, in this city, it's Brady Kachuk. And how about the way he takes young kids under his wing, a la Tim Stutz? So this is one of the photos of the year right there. But, you yeah. know, we talked to Tyler Boucher. We talked to Jake Sanderson. We talked to Ridley Gray. Brady Kachuk reaches out to all these guys. Jonas Sogard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not even Mads. He's calling he's calling people's brothers now to make sure everyone feels in the mix. I feel like all of our photos here are all Brady Kachuk because you know off ice this guy yes. is an absolute <laughs> legend 
of the game as well. You so, might take my bartending job. I got to look out here. Yeah, Sheesh. no doubt. On ice, off ice, there's no better leader than Brady Kachuk. It is a toss-up, in my opinion, as the Senators' MVP because you make a compelling argument. Not only that, though, Pilsy, he's got a winning record. Like, that in itself. This was a, what, 25th place team in the National Hockey League? Let's a winning uh, record. Ross, let's get the poll up on Twitter, and as we go through the episode, we'll see how things shake out here. All right. Well, why don't you hit us with a word from one of our favorite sponsors? We'll get back to our draft rankings. We've got a dashing offensive talent and arguably the best defenseman in the draft coming up after the break. Arguably, yes. And not arguably, Ross, the best auto parts website. There's no competition. The Daniel Alfredson Award winner of auto parts website is rockauto.com, guys. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it's so hard for your local chains to have the parts that you need. Like for everything to line up perfectly like that, it's not easy. And if they do have the parts you need, you're probably going to pay full price for them. So don't do that. Why would you do that when you have access at rockauto.com at home and in your pocket on your mobile device? There's so many reasons why rockauto.com is the best. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts at your local chain store? Don't do it. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your Rock Auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear us About Us box so they know that we sent you. Guys, amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy. So the poll is up. Who is the Sens 2021-22 season MVP? We've got 10 votes so far. Six for Anton Forsberg and four for Brady Kachuk. So we're going to update that at the end of today's show as well. We put up a poll yesterday between a trade, potential trade for the Flyers and Senators, one that I'm not really all right with, but go listen to Locked On Flyers. I joined Rachel and Russ over there. Great conversation. Maybe Travis Konechny could be a guy who's on our top 10 list of forward prospects or forward trade targets, Pilsy, before. I said prospects there because I got it on the mind. We got to give some stick taps. Stick taps to Zach Ostapchuk. Team Canada, he's on the preliminary roster. Now, there are still lots of cuts to be made, but he will be at the training camp for Team Canada coming up for the August World Juniors. No Ridley Gregg for Team Canada. He's preparing for the NHL training camp. Same can be said for Jake Sanderson. But as one door closes, another opens, Pilsy. Tyler Boucher will be at that training camp. And we know Tyler Clevin, the K-Train, who was a member of of the world junior team at Christmas. He's in all likelihood going to play a top four role. And also Pilsy, a couple fins yes. made their list as well. Yeah. Well, I only saw uh Levy Marilinen. who else made it. Roby's going back. Roby made it too. Okay. Good. Nice. Nice. I'm glad because he, he, well, we forget how young he is. Like he's, he's still very much in that range for world juniors. So that's all. I, I didn't see Roby Jarventi. That's funny. I missed it. So that's great that we got all these uh, players available here. Ross, part of me is a little disappointed. Ridley Gregg uh, isn't in the mix here. Uh, and mostly I'll say that because 
holy crap, did this guy do everything possible to try <laughs> to make that team. I, I mean, know. when we talked to him, he had went through two two-week oh, quarantines. Yeah. He got COVID, had to go back, quarantine, went back, had to quarantine again. Like, it was just insane how how much time went into him trying to make this team, and ultimately it didn't happen for him. I think if he did go this year, he would probably make it. He would likely be well, one made of the strong the, he, cases. He made the team in, in December. Yeah, okay. So there you he go. Played but the he two games. Didn't get, didn't get much of a chance there as well. Oh, yeah, I, f- I forgot about that. Dude, <laughs> I forgot about the, two, the two-game tournament here. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, well, the funniest part, like this is the most Ridley Gregg post of all time here. And then we're going to get to our draft rankings. But you guys have to see this if you're watching on YouTube. Look what he posted. Thank you, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that not the definition of Ridley Gregg's personality right there? Definitely, yeah. That that poor Austrian prospect there. Oh boy. Watch it be Marco Casper, future teammates, and all that. No, no. In all seriousness, and we mentioned the Finns last for a reason, Pilsy, because coming in at number six on our NHL draft rankings on the Locked On Senators podcast, we've got Joakim Kamel. You don't have to go too many mock drafts to find this guy's name sprinkled as a future Ottawa Senator. What makes him? A potential fit in Ottawa, Pilsy? There are a lot of reasons, Ross. And I'll start off with the biggest reason, and that's his shot. Joachim Kamel, he can rip it. Absolutely. 15 goals in Liga this year in 39 games. The fact that he was one of those guys that didn't have to bounce around between um, different leagues in uh, overseas. Sorry, I'm just looking at his uh, EP here. Yeah, he only played in Liga as far as uh, Finnish competition goes. He did play internationally, of course. At uh, the U18s, he had himself one hell of a tournament. Six goals in five games and eight points in five games. So, as you can tell, a guy that can rip it like that, he's going to turn some heads. And uh, a lot of mock drafts, a lot of people saying he makes a bunch of sense for the sense. So he was listed as 5'11 on his team's website. But at the combine, he he measured in at 5'9 half, which is a little... Huh? I even saw Pronman had him at 5'10.75. Like, we can't be getting into 0.25s <laughs> of an inch here, guys. No, we can't. We really can't. Someone over <laughs> six feet would never, would never use a 0.25 <laughs> on their height. <laughs> He's, uh, we're going to give him that extra half inch, though. So we're at, we have him listed as 5'10, 185. He's from Liga, right wing, right shot as well. Six goals in eight, six goals and eight points in five games at the world under 18s. And he's a guy that stays out of the box, too. Only two penalty minutes. Pills, he told you he's got 15 goals in 39 games. And the rankings, if we do this Olympic style and take out the highest and lowest, we've got probably the tightest range so far because, well, Bob McKenzie has him at three and Elite Prospects has him at 10. So you take those two out and we've got five for Craig Button, seven for Scott Wheeler, seven for Corey Prodman, eight for Chris Peters, and nine for... For Tony Ferrari. So you can see that averages out to a rank of seven, which just so happens to be where the Senators draft in this in this year. So all that to say, a shooter, but not only that, Pilsy, talk about this guy's motor a little bit because he is always hunting the puck. 
Yeah, and that's what makes a guy like Joachim Kamel different than someone, let's say, uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki, right? Like, the motor that Kamel has is wild. Sure, he play, he's a smaller player, but I wouldn't say he plays like a small player because he competes hard physically, especially on the forecheck. He, like, when a guy has a shot like this, he's like, I want to always have the puck in the offensive zone. That is my puck when it's on this side of the blue line, and if I don't have it, you better watch out because I'm coming to get it. And I love that style. And for a guy that's his size and younger to be throwing hits in the pro league, like he had a couple open ice hits I saw in highlights. And that takes some balls to be able to do that because you might have to answer to that uh, later on. And when you're a smaller guy, that's not the position you want to be in. But Kamel doesn't care. He's a gold helmet wearing player that throws his weight around, even if it's even if it's uh, only 175 pounds worth of it. So that's where I think when you're looking at the sentence taking a shooter, Kamel makes a lot of sense because he's not just a big shot. Like he's not your Mike Hoffman, a guy that's just hanging out waiting to use his shot. He works hard to get um, to get the puck and so that he can do that. And I think there's a lot to like and he would fit in with the way the Sens like to play. I really like the shades of that elite prospects used here. Think Victor Olofsson. From the yeah. Buffalo Sabres, like quick strike offense. But when you watch him, he's a lot more than that, but a little undersized. But you can see 30 goal potential of this guy in the National Hockey League. And Pronman, his, uh, I thought you were going to go with this, a different Victor. His uh, player comparable was Victor Arvidsson, sure. which I think is another good example of where he could end up. Yeah, Lee Prospects also said Brock Besser. I don't see that as much. Besser's a big body, can use that a little bit more to grind down low. But I like it's just like quick strike offense, but these guys are so shifty as well. They can carry the puck through neutral zone and get up into the offensive zone. And I, I just really like this player. I mean, I'm not as high on him as I was of, of yesterday with Cutter Gauthier. I'm definitely, I if this was my personal rankings, I'd flip these two easily. Um, maybe we'll have to put out our own list right before the draft or it's like these are our top 10 of how we would want the sense to draft and maybe we take out guys like Slavkowski and Wright who just won't be there so anyways <laughs> that's a little brainstorming session in the middle of this one of course you can go to locked on senators and check it out if you're just watching this video on demand all of our draft profiles will be on demand but Joaquin Kamel super interesting player we we spoke with Tony Ferrari and that interview is coming out on locked on senators uh, YouTube page soon here and he said the difference between Brad Lambert, when these two played together a little bit, Brad Lambert, Joaquin Kamel, is they kept bumping Lambert all over the lineup. And they said to Kamel, they said, you're just going to play with our best player and spend the whole year together. So how much can that help a guy's development? Big time. And and that's we talk about this over and over again when we're looking at prospects overseas. Sometimes it is just absolutely baffling what coaches and uh, development programs do to these poor kids, bouncing them all over the place. Joaquin Kamel, he was very fortunate in the fact that he got to play in one league, in one team, on one line for an entire season. And I know maybe you're thinking at home, well, that's not that big of a deal. It is for developing players because they're working on so many different parts of their game. If they constantly have to be adjusting to new coaches, new systems, new teams, new cities, new leagues, like it's just, it's a whirlwind for these players. So to be able to have that stability is massive. And the th- the thing with uh, Joaquin Kamel though, Ross, is yes, he is a shooter, but he tends to lean on that a little bit too much. He takes a lot of low percentage shots. Uh, I I went through his game logs, Ross, and he averaged 4.3 shots per game in Liga. So 
that's pretty damn impressive to average over four shots in a pro league as a smaller teenager. But the issue with that is he's not getting in the best spots to score. Like only one game, he had zero shots. So he's always taking shots. He had one game with 10 shots, no goals. Like to have 10 shots and no goals, those are probably not the best opportunities. So as he develops, he's going to have to learn how to get into those uh, hard-to-get areas, into that home plate spot in front of the net where bigger, stronger defensemen are going to be pushing him out of the way, but he has to learn to battle for those spots and get open so that when he does get his opportunity to use his big shot, he's going to be setting himself up for more success. So that is one thing I think is very interesting with Joachim Kamel. Where do you think he needs to work on the most to become a full-time NHLer? I mean, that that would definitely be one spot. I, I think, like, the fact that he plays with so much pace and so much compete, I think that's going to really help him out um, in other areas of the game, like defensively, because he, he doesn't stand still. And some of the, the scouts' comments are, every time Joachim Kamel goes over the boards, something happens. Like, it might not be a grade-A scoring chance, but he's making things happen. I, I mean, when you get 4.3 shots uh, per game on average you're making things work or at least happen. So I think the thing with Kamel is he's just going to have to learn how to get into those dangerous spots and not be afraid of um, a sm- smaller body up in those battles because the, the mindset's there. Just the physicality isn't quite at a level it needs to be for the pros in if the NHL at least. If you're the team that drafts him, Pilsy, are you sending him back to JYP next season? Are you trying to get him into the AHL like Roby Jarventi or where are you looking to play him? Personally, I'm bringing him to the AHL because you got to get these guys over to proper uh, size rinks if you have aspirations for them to play in the pros. It's such a difference, especially for uh, for forwards trying to find ways to get into those tight spots. It's a lot harder to do in a smaller rink. So that's what I would be doing. And as as we talked about, Tony filled us in that JYP was not a good team. Like Dog they were, Joe. yeah, they were one of the worst teams in Liga. So even though that that means he's going to get good opportunities and he's probably going to remain on that uh, top line with the top player and get top power play units. That's all great. But I think he's had enough Liga experience that he's, he's, he can move on from that. And if I'm an NHL team and I use a top 10 pick on him, I want to get him going in my system in North America and have uh, like our development coaches taking a look at him over, over here. So I would move him to the AHL. So he hit a bit of a wall in the middle of the season, but as you can see from Elite Prospects, if you're watching here, in the last few games, he absolutely dominated. And he hit a wall because he had a shoulder injury. That's important to note. Okay, good to know. Uh, April 27, 2004, birthday. And then as we can see here, when he's playing against his own age group, he absolutely dominates. 22 goals in 38 games there with the under 20 as a 16-year-old, Pilsy. So even still above his age group, but contributing. So then, you know, there's the development that we see playing a bunch of teams, but then this year settling in and then was awesome at the world under 18s with Finland. He wore an A there and had six goals in five games. So a real good player. How many sense stars are you giving Joaquin Kamel? I'm a big fan of Kamel. Uh, I'm giving him four and a half stars, Ross. I think it's not just a coincidence and it's not just guys being like, well, he's seventh overall in my ranking, so I'm going to put him seventh overall to the Sens. It does make a lot of sense. The Sens need a guy with another big shot. You can't have just Norris uh, being a finisher on the power play. And they're not going to sacrifice um, pace and compete level for that great shot. Whereas Joachim Kamel 
he brings both. And it's important to note too, uh, for EP's draft guide, Ross, only four players received a seven grade on the shot. Kamel is one of those guys. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to go with a four. I, I like him a lot. I just, again, there's a couple of guys who we're going to get to. And like even Nazar and Cutter Gauthier. The real debate for me is who would I rather between Kamel and Lakaramaki? I probably lean I probably lean Kamel. What about I probably lean uh, Kamel? And I, ga- I gave him. Can I do four point two five? Because he's a small player, he gets the two point five here. Also. Oh my god! Well, I mean, everyone's doing that with his height, anyways. So yeah, I'll, I, I mean, I'll, I'll allow it. It's kind of untraditional, but uh, I'll allow it here. Ross, my question to you is: You know what? Screw it. Four point five. Yeah, give him the bump. Give him the. Bump. I will. Love I it. will. Um, what about this? Joachim Kamel versus Matthew Savoy. Kamel. Okay, and I, I would like to go back. I gave Savoy a 3.5, didn't I? I did. Yeah, I've got it right here. I gave Savoy 3.5. You gave him a 4. Yeah. So you'd take Kamel as well. Yeah, I would take Kamel as well. And I'll go back. I said yesterday I would take Savoy over uh, Nazar. I think I'll take Nazar. That, okay, I, think that I was... thought you were going to go back on your first five-star guy. No, 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 no. I, um... yeah. Well, Gautier was my first five-star guy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, when yeah. You're like... Oh, we'll go back to yesterday. I was nervous. No, 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 not doing that. I think it was recency bias. I was caught up in uh, Savoy's uh, offensive offensive flair, but yeah, Frank Nazar, like re re uh, discovering him and going back. The ceiling is legit. Like he is he is the highest ceiling in the draft. You got to take a swing on that. So I, I'm going on Nazar. All right, sounds good. So you've got four and a half stars. I've got four and a half stars for Joakim Kamel, a guy who. I'm pretty confident if the Sens pick, this is this could be their guy if Cutter Gauthier is off yes. the board. So let us know what you think about Joaquim Kamel. All right, coming up, we're going to get to our next prospect, our first of two big-time right shot defensive. But first, Pills, you got another word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yes, it's our friends over at betonline.net, Ross. It's game four of the Stanley Cup Finals. Can Tampa keep going on that home energy and tie this series up. They've been down 2-0 in a series before. It didn't hinder them too much. They were able to succeed. But if you want to find out what are the odds on this, should I be betting Tampa here? You got to go to betonline.net. It's the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. They've got all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. The coaching carousel is starting to, the seats are getting filled up, but there's still some big names out there. Barry Trotz, what's he going to do? Betonline.net remains the best spot. You're going to get your scores. Great podcasts, news, and updates this season. And it's not just hockey, guys. You can bet on golf, boxing, baseball, UFC, they got it. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and get in on the action. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, back to our draft rankings and coming in at number five. We are in the top five. We are going back to Slovakia for what feels like the, what, 100th time? It's the third time, and we're going back again. Credit to the Slovaks for having a fantastic draft year right now and it's cool because they all came up playing together there's a cool yep. photo we showed when we had mishar on where it was the three of them it was mishar slavkovsky and our fifth ranked prospect simon nemich out of hk nitra yes simon nemich the uh the first of the the duo of right hand shot defensemen that we're going to cover here 
very interesting um, prospect here, and there's a lot to like. First off, let's let's start with the fact that yes, he's a right-hand shot defenseman. He's got a pro frame already at six foot one, 192 pounds. At least that's what I have him listed as, Ross. And he's already playing in the pros over in Slovakia. In 39 games, he had one goal, 25 assists, good for 26 points. But the real numbers I want to emphasize here, Ross, in 19 playoff games, he had five goals, 12 assists, good for 17 points. So 17 points in 19 playoff games, that is impressive. He really hit his stride as the season went on. He is so smooth out on the ice. There was one play where he gets the puck, he spins off one guy, and as he's patrolling the blue line from right to left, he takes the defender who was the left winger, so he's up there on the right side, and as he switches, he stays with him, and then he just gives like a little cheeky backhand dish to his D partner. Everyone, the flow is all going one way, and he just sends it the other. Unbelievable assist on that goal, and as you mentioned, the assist is really his calling card when it comes to the offense. Only one goal in 39 games, but was able to put up 25 helpers with HK Nita. He's already in his second full season of playing against men in that league. Six foot one, 192 pound defenseman, and that right shot, that quality position, premium position between him and Juracek, the two defensemen that are left on our board, are both elite, elite at what they do. A little bit different, I'd say. Nemec, rather, he um, he pushes the pace offensively a little bit more than Juracek, who I think is a little bit more, I'll take care of my own end first, whereas Nemec a bit more of a wild card, can get running around a little bit. I like that about them, and so does Scott Wheeler. Scott Wheeler has Nemec as his number two prospect in this draft. Craig Button has him at four. We've got Peters and Pronman at five. Elite prospects at six. Tony Ferrari at eight. And Bob McKenzie at nine, but you mentioned that second half streak. Bob McKenzie is our only ranking right now that we do not have the final list. This is from Christmas, Pilsy. So you can bet that after a bronze medal at the Olympics, after six points in eight games at the Men's World Championships, this is going to rise even higher when we get Bob's final rank. Absolutely, Ross. And just a couple more stats that show how impressive um, Nemec's performance is already. Listen to this. He started the pro league in Slovakia at around his 16th birthday. So playing pro at 16 is a pretty big deal. Only three players at that age played at least 10 games or more, according to Will Scouch. Now, diving in a little deeper too, Ross, only two players scored more in the Slovakian pro league in their draft years. Can you guess which two? No. They are both former Senators, Marion Hossa and Marion and, and, Gabrick. Oh, so, I was going to say Andre Mazaros. <laughs> <laughs> so to have only two, arguably, I mean, Hossa's already in the hall. Gabrick is, nah. I don't know if you'd make the hall. No, but he, not before Alfredson. No, not before Alfie. But I mean, he's in contention. Hall of two, extremely good. Yes, two unbelievably talented players and forwards nonetheless are the only ones above him in their uh, draft years playing in the Slovakian Pro League. So what what I'm getting at here is he has no issues playing at top level uh, against men, and his size helps him out there for sure. And it's very impressive what Nemec has been able to do here. And uh, whoever gets a chance at drafting him should be pretty damn excited, especially if that's the Senators at seven. I, I unlikely, I mean, but no, I don't even want to get my hopes up. And he's uh, 
He's already played 112 games of professional hockey as a defenseman. And then add in the Olympic games, the men's championship games. Like this, this guy, he's, he's pro ready. If you ask me, like I would not be shocked if a team that drafts him puts him into the NHL next season. Really? For a defenseman, we haven't seen that. The last 18-year-old defenseman I can remember stepping in right away is Aaron Ekblad in 2015. He won the Calder over Mark Stone. That's a story for another day and Johnny Goudreau. But it just shows, and even the voters then realize playing D in the NHL at 18 years old is about as difficult as possible. But Aaron Ekblad was coming out of Barry too, so the jump's a little bit higher from the OHL than a guy who, as we just mentioned, has already excelled playing against men, let alone just been able to compete. And he plays big minutes, Ross. Like, this isn't a guy that the coach is just like, yeah, you're going to be a third-pairing guy, and I'm going to put you in an offensive zone draws. No, that is not Simon Nemitz here. Like, look at these. uh, If you're looking at his game logs, I'm looking at the minutes here. 19, 20, 22, 24, 20, 19, 18, 24, 18. Like, you, you get the picture here. And... EP, they do a great job ranking uh, players. And look at the awards he's got here. Third best transitional defenseman. Fourth best four-way mobility. Fourth best neutral zone defender. Fourth best offensive defenseman. And fifth highest floor. So maybe it's jumping into the NHL right away. Maybe that's a little uh, hyperbolic on on my part. But I don't think it'll take more than one year. Like definitely after one year, I think it'll be ready. Especially when you look at some of the rosters that the teams that would be in the range to draft him have. He could step in as one of their top four defensemen pretty easily. 100%. Three zone defensemen. Now, I I just... I'm curious what your thoughts are on how much his playoff, and maybe it was just a culmination of the rest of his season and how good it was, and it continued into the World Championships, but he was a huge piece of HK Nitra's run. 17 points in 19 playoff games and really contributing on both ends of the ice, helping them make the run that they did. So to me, this guy, and Scott Wheeler says he has the potential to be the second, the best defenseman out of Slovakia since Zdeno Chara. And you might think, oh, how many are there? Like Lubomir Vishnovsky, great defenseman. Andre Sakara still playing. Had a great career in Minnesota earlier. Maybe Mazaros is a bit of a stretch to throw in the mix there, but there's certainly some defensemen out of Slovakia over the years who have garnered a lot of of uh, talent and and made great careers for themselves so i think if he can get in the mix as being number two after chara you're looking at at a serious consideration for a top five pick i don't see how he gets past the seattle kraken i think he's just the perfect secondary piece they went with veneers and then get that right shot defenseman and i don't know we'll, we'll get into this more once we have your check and we'll ask our experts when they're coming on in the next couple of weeks you versus nemich what's the debate where's the difference how do we decide which one of these players is going to help our organization even more down the road? I think this is a situation where if one gets picked in front of the other or whatever happens, no one's sitting there being like, what a dumb move. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no, like they're, they're so close that you can't really um, be upset either way. I, I want to get a, a little bit more into his game though, before we move on to, For sure. to uh, more of his stats and the stars here, because um 
he does a really good job carrying the puck up the ice and he can he can skate really well and he just weaves through defenders. He loves getting into the mix in the O zone. And what I like about him is he's patient with the puck in the offensive zone. Sometimes defensemen, when they have the puck in the offensive zone, they're like, well, I've got the puck here at the point. I don't have a lot of options. Either I can go D to D or I can try to get a shot on net. He doesn't do that. He has no concern skating towards the net and cycling around if he has to and waiting for an opportunity to open up. And then find waiting for that opportunity is half the battle. You got to make the most of that out of that opportunity. And he does. He's able to make good crisp passes. He's able to get shots on net to create rebounds, tips, deflections. So that's what I really like about him. There are some issues I find Ross, um, and Will Scouch does a great job uh, highlighting these. Definitely check out his video on uh, Nemec here. He sometimes rushes his first pass, like the first pass in his own zone, and turns it over, and he doesn't have the best decision-making. And sometimes he can act like the puck is a grenade on his stick and just be like, well, I don't see anything off my first glance in the defensive zone here. I'll just rip it off the glass Nikita Zaitsev style, and if it goes for an icing, ah, whatever. So that's not exactly a great habit you want to have him uh, in. Sometimes... He gets caught standing still in the D zone and being a more offensive guy that loves to skate with the puck in the rush. There's a couple highlights that Will Scout shows where the puck isn't even going up the ice the other way. And he's already skating past his own blue line and his defensive partner is like, dude, like now I got to I got to do all this on my own. We don't even have the puck and you're out of our D zone already. So he gets a little overexcited sometimes. But hey. As uh, we talked to Tony Fryer and he mentioned this, I'd rather a player that tries to do too much and tries to uh, go too hard too quickly and you have to teach them to dial it back rather than a guy that doesn't do enough and doesn't try uh, to cheat and get that extra point and you got to dial it up. So from that standpoint, I'm okay with Nemec. And I think with some time, he's still a young kid, a young defenseman. It takes time to make those decisions and figure it out. He's going to be able to develop into that guy that can make the right decisions. Yeah, David St. Louis said something similar about he kind of runs towards his teammates in the offensive zone. And even in the play I described where he did that little cheeky back end, I mean, he's running into his guy, but the, the guy was smart enough to cut cross. behind him yeah. and, and cross and, and maybe open it up. So I think that that's a pretty coachable thing. And that's maybe why I'd probably start him in the AHL and be like, hey, come over. Like, yep, fair. you showed in the playoffs, you could dominate the Slovak League. It's not necessarily the strongest league in Europe. Like, let's bring you over. Let's get you in the mix. Maybe even give you a nine-game trial yep. at the start of the year. Let's see how you do in the NHL. If you can't make it, then no worries. Go down. Go down. I almost said just go down to Coachella Valley. I'm just convinced that Seattle is going to draft them. <laughs> go down. Talk to Dan Bilesmo. We'll get it figured out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, no, I, I love this player. If he could be there at seven, he would be a slam dog. He's five stars for me. I think that his future is extremely bright. Plays a premium position. And, again, you're going to have to give him some some good tips in terms of how to utilize his teammates a little bit better in right situations and not always try to force it yourself. But I, I see so much upside in this player. Yeah, I see a lot of upside too, Ross. And uh, I feel like for Nemec, and um, I'm working on this um, this phrase, so hopefully I get it right here again. The whole is greater than the sum of his parts, right? Yes. Like this is a guy that you're not looking at him and you're like, best, best shot for a defenseman in the draft best skater, best this, best that. But the fact that, and I mentioned it, there's one, two, three, four, five things that he's in the top five for in this draft. The fact that he can put all those together in one uh, collection in his toolbox is such a good starting point for 
a team like the Seattle Kraken that need building blocks in their pipeline. And he is the perfect building block. I got him at four and a half stars, Ross, only that half star only because I, I think like cartoon style, my brain will like pop out of my head and be like bouncing if I see that he's available for seventh overall. So the only reason I don't have him as a five star play is I would be sh- I would be shocked, baffled, bamboozled, all the all the words you want to say, all the words you want to use, I just wouldn't believe it if he was still available at seventh overall. So that's where I, I lose half a star there. All right. Well, Simon Nemich is a February fifteenth, two thousand and four birthday, and I think he plays at the NHL like six two, two hundred pounds. So size certainly not an issue with him. It's just a matter of how long it takes him to become a top four defenseman at the NHL level. All right, Pilsy, quickly before we go, we said we'd put up a poll of the Senators MVP. Ooh. We're getting some a little bit of silly replies there that I've been going back and forth with a little bit. Um, we have we have someone saying it's Shabbat, no no brainer. I just said he missed 23 games, like just like Norris and, and uh, Batherson. Like they just take themselves out of contention with that. And you know what his answer was? No. Brady Kachuk missed too many games if you count preseason. I don't know if he's kidding or not. (laughs) We've got Anton Forsberg, 61.5%. And I certainly am not going to hate on that, even though I made the case today for Brady Kachuk. We still have 23 hours left to vote, so let's get another touchback on this in tomorrow's show. But 61% so far have Anton Forsberg as the Ottawa Senators season MVP really tough to argue that with how long he's or how well he played down the stretch and and being thrown into a starter's role where he's got to play every other night and if you're Pierre Dorian or uh, a certain uh, Ottawa Senators reporter you can say that uh, the Sens have their MVP for under three million dollars a season what a steal yeah I mean that was a great contract I think for both sides we were kind of expecting it to be like a three by three that sort of thing so three by 2.75 under three million Dollars. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. We're into the top five. And you know what? Even though one of these players coming up tomorrow is in our top five, I think there's a slight possibility that he's on the board Ooh. at five and maybe seven. And then other than that, we are getting into some elite talent in this NHL draft. So stay tuned for all that tomorrow. Let us know in the comments who your Senators MVP is. And if either of these players that we profiled today, Simon, Nemich or Joakim Kamel are interest of you to be an Ottawa Senator. But for today, we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.